0: hello everybody and welcome to the latest edition of Totem talks I'm Mark Smith
1: I'm Helen Froin
0: and we are team totem we are business psychologists and we look after people in the workplace I think that's the summary today we are going to be talking about recruitment and inse- uh, recruitment and assessment from the perspective of the employer this is kind of a two-parter I should imagine it's going to be a loose two-parter. <laughs> So in this episode, we're going to look at uh, the challenges that an employee -er faces from recruitment and then next week we'll also address some of the issues that an employee or somebody who is looking to become an employee will face. So we'll cover things like uh, assessment centres, psychometrics, internal mobility and really this is all based off of the current economic situation, I think is the right word. So an awful lot of people are being made redundant at the moment. And within that is a lot of pain, but there is also a lot of opportunity. And I think we in particular are of the opinion that it's often an opportunity for people. So we really want to encourage people in this and uh, to give them some best practice advice. So
1: definitely. as an
0: employer, I can definitely tell you that over the next 18 months, things are going to get very, very interesting in terms of how we recruit people based on previous experience, sort of 2008-2009, employers became uh, a lot more dogmatic about the way that they were employing people, uh, often using assessment centres, psychometrics, and really bringing a lot more rigour uh, to the process because they, they basically had too many candidates applying for their for their work. And that poses a problem in itself in terms of CV, system, CV sifting and all of those things. Um, so yeah, it's just... Uh, that's the heads up about what we're gonna be talking about. Um, I think over to Helen, because you really are an expert in this sort of recruitment kind of space, not the actual recruiting of people, but the assessing of people. Mm. So so tell our listeners really what, what to expect over the next 18 months in terms of their recruitment strategy.
1: So there's a few things here. There's one about the economic situation, as you say, and the fact that because you've got more candidates in the market, you get this really interesting divide between okay there's more candidates so we need more rigor to screen those candidates but there's still not that many amazing candidates Mm. the 1997 paper the war for talent you know people say well because what that paper spoke about is that there are only so many talented individuals out there like super incredible talented people and so us as employers, we have a war for that talent. So how do we become employers of choice and attract that talent to us? A lot of people will talk about how, as the economy's changed up and down since 1997, uh, that war for talent has moved in different directions. Where maybe now there's so many candidates, it's more that it's the candidate's choice mm. of who they work for. Uh, and then it becomes kind of the other way around.
0: It's like a market economics thing, isn't it? The supply yes. and demand is there. Yeah. And sometimes it flips back to the other way. So I exactly. think Exactly. It's flipping towards uh, the, the buy, if you like, at the moment.
1: Although with a question on just because there are more buyers or more candidates in this case doesn't necessarily mean they're all super talented. Mm. So you could still argue that there is still that war for talent. So there, there's that kind of interesting piece around rigour and making sure we're getting the very best candidate from a large pool. The other aspect that we have to acknowledge right now is the huge surge in the acknowledgement of following Black Lives Matter, the need for greater diversity and inclusion. Mm -hmm. And so how does that affect the way that we're looking at recruitment? So we have never been asked so much to provide unconscious bias training as part of recruitment training. We've been doing it for years, but now we're being asked to do it a couple of times a day because it's something that is far more in the psyche of the corporate. Uh, So those two, you've got the economic situation and the diversity and inclusion need that are affecting the way recruiters are adjusting their behavior.
0: Yeah, and I think the diversity point is really interesting because whilst we're not uh, d specialists, because we are psychologists, we do get the, the underpinning of bias. I mm. think it's, it's it, you know, a lot of it's formed in uh, childhood mm. and it kind of leaches into our adulthood. And because it's unconscious, we're getting a lot of um, resistance to the sort of, you know, well, we all have biases. And people are like, well, I'm not. Well, mm, yeah, no. (laughs) 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 It's a coin, a a particularly Australian phrase. Uh, Yeah, and I think what's really interesting is when you can break it down into uh, biases that aren't threatening, people then can begin to see where they may have a much larger, much Mm. more impactful bias. So as an example, we, we run just a simple little test where it's, you know, one, three, five, nine. What's the next number in the sequence? Most people say 11. The number after that, 13. Okay, what's the, what's the riddle? Uh, it's plus two, obviously. No, it's not. If you want to know what the answer to that riddle is, then join us on one of our Unconscious Bias workshops. <laughs> um, but yeah, so when you can show people um, their different kinds and different flavors of bias, and you can say, well, actually, you just have a, this is just a very simple confirmation bias in this instance where might that actually lead to other formal detrimental biases that you may have and when you bring that from an unconscious place to a conscious place you can actually start to say to people particularly in a counseling environment okay so you have a bias that's what it is let's just hold that there let's not make a judgment about that let's not feel bad about that or shame you for it what are you going to do now you know that you have it? That's the most powerful thing, particularly in a recruitment space.
1: Exactly. And so a lot of recruiters, hiring managers, HR departments are saying, well, we've done the unconscious bias training and you may well have seen a lot of uh, news, LinkedIn posts saying unconscious bias training doesn't work because no, of course it doesn't. Mm. If you just show people you are biased. Oh, okay, thanks. That's good to know. Yeah, I'm going to go <laughs> so, away and
0: feel really bad about myself yes, for the next few exactly. days.
1: Yeah. Uh, so that's all that happens. We feel bad about ourselves. So the what can we do about it comes to friction and slowing down. Mm. When we, that the whole thing about bias or Daniel Kahneman's way of talking about it, thinking fast and thinking slow, bias or unconscious tendencies are in our fast brain, the, the automatic, very quick thinking. When we slow down, when we put some friction in, so what I mean by friction is just putting something in your way so you have to slow down. Mm -hmm. For example, telling someone that they cannot decide in the interview whether or not they like the candidate they have to go through a process after the interview where they sit down with their fellow interviewer or a panel of people who've met the candidate through the day and they need to review their notes. Yes, they need to have made good quality notes, not just, I like this candidate, but or this doodles. is what the Or can- doodles. Or
0: doodles. No doodles people on your <laughs> notes, please.
1: Uh, but information about what the candidate has said, what experiences they spoke about, what examples they gave, if we've written all that down and we need to sit down and speak with each other about the evidence we've collected, it slows us down. It stops us from just basically going on who we like because that's what our unconscious will do.
0: Absolutely. I do think to the the slowing down point, I, it's, it's best practice really just to try and slow your thinking down whilst you're in the middle of an assessment. And I say this from um, a certain perspective. And that perspective is of when we are recruiting for somebody in a sort of C-suite environment, we're often making decisions that are market moving. Um, The salaries that these people are usually talking about are seven figures plus associated perks and benefits, which can run into eight figures occasionally. And we have to nail that assessment, absolutely, because we have regulatory bodies, often breathing over us and also if we don't nail that assessment process and the individuals who have been unsuccessful come back and query the assessment, query its validity, want to inspect their notes which they're more than entitled to do under GDPR. Um, If we've been doodling and if we've not really been paying attention or that they can show that we have had some kind of bias through that process, we're going to get hammered for that as a business. More importantly I'm not entirely convinced that our insurance, our professional indemnity insurance will cover, <laughs> cover us for that because we have been negligent within that process. Yeah. So we could you know, financially be on the hook for a very big number. It, it has driven us to look at best practice and to make sure that our recruitment process is as watertight as it can be.
1: And it's interesting that you've used that as an example. You know, we could be talking about graduate recruitment or middle management hires. Because you're talking about C-suite, it's really interesting because a lot of people say, oh gosh, you'd go to that level of assessment for C-suite. So often there's this really weird backwards thinking that because we're talking about somebody on that salary with that level of experience, it would be rude or offensive to put them through that level of an assessment process. What? I don't wanna invest that kind of money, I never have to invest that kind of money, my clients do, uh, in that kind of salaried person without knowing that they've shown real great skills and real great ability to do this role and just saying oh well they worked at x company for 10 years or they were the person who transformed the market of x well that may have been good for x but we don't know what was going on behind that was it really them or did they have an amazing team absolutely or, did they really make that difference or did someone just headline it in the newspapers in a different way mm-hmm. so there's this really weird kind of oh we can't assess people at that level when we do assess people at that level we really start to see the real human being uh, so I guess going right back to your early point about the importance of rigour, whether you're talking about a grad, a middle manager, a C-suite level, we need that rigour to have confidence that we're getting the right person in the post. I
0: couldn't agree more.
1: What a shock. What a shocker. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, and I think the, the point about rigour is it, it should filter down to your to the lower pay grades, if you like, I mean, fundamentally. Um, and the reason why I, I do think it should filter down is... Not just because it's fair, which it, which it is. I mean, it mm. should be done anyway. But also, if you think about yourself as a hiring manager on your own journey, so I have got the responsibility here of hiring graduates. I don't. I, I do not want to be hiring graduates forever. Um, I, eventually, I would like to be hiring other people. And I think if you if you blend in your own personal career journey into your thinking, just educating yourself pushing yourself becoming more talented as a recruitment in your own a, a, a recruiter in your own right it has to be a, a value consideration for mm. you if not what are you doing it for yeah why not just hand it off to somebody else I mean we're available give us a call
1: well it's a really interesting point again because so many people say "Oh, people management is kind of the bane of my existence recruitment it's this really annoying thing that I have to do if you're a people manager then people management and recruitment needs to be something more that you are excited about or keen to do a good job on mm. uh, and as you describe you know better yourself in that area there is data out there there is data that does not support going for somebody who's got a two-one or a first class degree because there is not enough data to show that having someone with that higher quality degree gets you a better job performer There is data to show that using a structured interview and a work sample assessment where you give somebody a sample of the job is the best predictor of job performance. So why are we having these nice chats and saying, oh, I just know a good candidate when I see one. It's my gut feel. That's your unconscious bias talking. Use a structured interview, use a case study, some kind of sample of the real work, and then we really see what someone is capable of.
0: Now, it would be remiss of us at this point to not throw in the difficulties of having face-to-face assessments currently. There are some products on the market, mm. which we are not pimping out, although we are curious about them. Mm, very um, nice SHL. I think they're SHL again. Who knows? They
1: are, yes, they are SHL. They
0: go through very many ownership <laughs> cycles. They
1: have... The Virtual ADC, Ooh, Assessment and Development Centre. Yeah.
0: Which is a new... Incredibly poorly chosen name. If you work for ADC,
1: uh, but ADC doesn't exist anymore; they're now PSI. So I think that's probably oh, think. Right, uh, <laughs> there's oh. a lot of movement in this market. And there's, there's
0: far too many acronyms. People just pick a name. Yes. A name. <laughs> okay. So where are we? So we've got the Virtual ADC, yes, Assessment and, and have, Development Center, yes, yes.
1: And then you have a company called PSI who sell also an online assessment center product. Uh, both products appear to be very very good i've heard very good things about them so yes there are opportunities to do assessment centers online
0: i think from memory so i was on one of their sales webinars Mm. as they were trying to convince me um the process is actually very similar to what you would expect from a a, a physical assessment center so you you do have online assessments Uh, i think there's also a psychometric involved there and then they basically give you an inbox. So it's a kind of a, a fake email system sure, where you have real time interaction with various different stakeholders. And I think the premise is that an assessor can watch you live as you go through this process all remotely of course
1: yes so when you say watch you live so they'll be able to see the assessor can see uh, where you're replying to emails where you're booking things into your diary but then also as an assessor i can call you as the candidate ah. and say okay i need to have a conversation with you about this or we can get onto a video call as as though it's a meeting that we've got so it gives you all the benefits that you would have of a live assessment center with the extra added benefit that we can do it remotely therefore internationally and perhaps most important of all with without the panic of finding meeting rooms. <laughs>
0: yeah, which uh, anybody who's organised an assessment center or done the timetable
1: mm-hmm. for an assessment
0: center will know. That's painful. That is painful. Um, and expensive, frankly. So Fair so this so. this technology really is a bit, I want to I, I don't I don't like the word game changer, but it it's definitely going to be influential, yeah. particularly with Covid and the various physical restrictions we have in place currently. So I'm not going to put the links in the description below cuz they're competitors. <laughs> <laughs> they can jog on. Um but you know
1: I think we could put the links below. Can't we put the links below?
0: Yeah, of course we can put the links below. We love everybody. See. I highly recommend having a look mm. in all in all fairness because I think not right now, but I think in the next six months, people in the HR sort of departments of their businesses are going to start to get leaned on for this stuff mm. and having a good coherent response yes. is just is going to be better for you every way you could it. So, um,
1: And it's particularly interesting for me right now because we're looking at how we can put our bespoke assessment products onto SHL's assessment platform. So mm. that opens up a lot of opportunity for working with consultancies like us to create your own product and then get that on there. So, yes, it's a really fair point to say, go and learn about the platform so that if your business uh, leaders come to you and say, so you work in HR, what do you know about taking our assessment centers online? Mm-hmm. You, you feel like you're prepared for that conversation.
0: Yeah. And internal mobility. I, I just wanted to throw this in quite quickly. Mm. Um for me, from 2008, 2009-ish, the companies that emerged successfully from that whole monstrous show were the companies who had a cash pile, and you may not have a cash pile, so good luck to you. Uh, two, the the companies who invested in their people is, is really what stood out for me. So companies who took the time to understand, to re-educate, retrain, um, and perhaps move assets, people, assets around the business, they really emerged quite strongly from... 2009, 2010, and I think the same will be true for this. Mm. Um, internal mobility is a is a peculiar one. We have heard this recently described as a form of ism. Yes. So it's a it's a it's a racism of sorts. It's, yeah. It was peculiar. It
1: was a really odd conversation. So essentially, what happened was uh, one of our clients who was a. Uh, that The contact that we had in that company was a junior person in HR who had recommended that they did a kind of development programme for people who work in the company. Now, she particularly wanted to target black people in response to Black Lives Matter, but she then broadened that out to say, Let, let's target anybody in the company. Either way, a development programme that targets people in the company is not racist, yeah. and uh, and she was getting pushback from the recruitment team to say, "Isn't that racist?" So perhaps worth us clarifying the a, difference yeah. between positive action and positive discrimination. So positive discrimination is against the law. That's Certainly, where you yeah. say, uh, "Hi, Mark, I'm going to give you a job because you're a white man." Mm-hmm. That's against the law.
0: Can't do that.
1: Uh, positive action is saying, "Oh, Mark." You're a white man, and we don't have many white men in our organisation, so we're going to run a development programme for you to help you progress in our organisation that's just a really good idea and it encourages greater diversity if you have got uh, most people have fewer women and fewer non-white people at more senior levels so if you're doing taking some action to increase the diversity at those most senior levels what we know from the research is that you are 35 percent more likely to be a high-performing organization when you increase that diversity at senior levels so yes please and it's not against the law it's a really good thing to do
0: yeah and you need to be very careful with that statistic because that one gets bandied about all the time.
1: Inappropriately.
0: Massively inappropriately.
1: I have, I have a big bee in my bonnet, people. There is going to be a podcast coming out. Oh, it's coming. I, moan, I can feel it. Oh. I moan about research being misquoted. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, like all the time. Please, somebody share the load with me. <laughs> I tell you what, let's wrap it up there. Because we, we could actually just, you know, change shirts and, and outfits and just, you know, look like we're doing a completely different podcast now. So let's wrap it up. Um, and we will continue with the
1: employee perspective, employee
0: perspective because that's quite important, I think. Um, not how to game the system. I think that's 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 completely irrelevant and completely wrong. But we'll, we'll certainly address the other half of the, uh, the the equation in next week's podcast. So. Subscribe to our channel because it's awesome. Check us out on Instagram and LinkedIn and all those wonderful places. And more importantly, have an awesome day.
1: Thank you. Shall should we should we say that a bit differently?
0: No. They're still competitors. Yeah. And whenever we Nick woke off and we're like,
1: Booyakasha! Booyakasha! Shall we... So you've just said you're not going to put the links below, but you are going to put the links below.
0: Of course, we can put some links below.